Hello, and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Classical Music Pod. Sam, you've been on a fact-finding adventure. Tell me about it. I have. I went to visit our hometown of Salisbury and a project called Evening Songs being run by music charity La Folia there. We thought it was important to get out there on the ground with people doing the hard work of making music a part of everybody's lives. So Sam, in a nutshell, what are they up to down there in Salisbury? Well, the kids from Exeter House School, which deals with people with significant special educational needs and their alumni from the school, who are now at Wiltshire College, were writing the music for a special Evensong service that took place in the best building in the world, Salisbury Cathedral. Mm -hmm. It was their words and responses, their melodies, and eventually their performance. Joining with them and facilitating it were the musicians of La Folia, the Cathedral Choir, and international tenor soloist Mark Padmore. And am I right in saying this is the second time that they've run this kind of project? Yes, so the original Evening Songs was in 2016, and I thought it would be inspiring for anyone listening to hear about, and it could serve as a kind of model for other music makers out there to replicate. I went round and picked up some audio, some of it a little rough and ready, from the musicians, students, and crucial music administrators involved. Josh is a teacher at Exeter House School and here he is giving us a little bit of information about the role that music plays within the life of the school. Yeah, so I work at Exeter House, I've been there for five years now and uh, we're a school that cater for children with significant learning difficulties from the age of four to 19. Um, Within the last two years we've opened up a centre so our students that are over 14 go and learn more vocational curriculum uh, and they're also here with us today. Um, we've got students with ASD, students with profound multiple learning difficulties, etc. We do lots of music at our school, whether that be for transitioning and symbolising different parts of the day, which could be snack time, tidying up. Mm. We do work with music therapists, so they come and work one-to-one with our students, which, you know, gets great results. The students really respond well to the music. Um, projects like the Folie are fantastic. We also do we have an orchestra running at our school, which is brilliant. Um, and we're hoping to coincide that with the folio over the next few years, which would be brilliant. So we'll get singers and musicians all in the same project, which would be brilliant. Fantastic. Exeter House and La Folia have been working together for a number of years before working together on this project. One of the translations of La Folia is The Chaos, and as an arts organisation, they work in a number of different mediums, putting on multimedia and musical experiences. How did La Folia and Exeter House get Salisbury Cathedral on board with this project? I asked the same thing to La Folia's musical director, Howard Moody. How did he pitch it to the cathedral? We said that we wanted to do an even song with this group that we'd written many operas with, including The Ring Cycle. They were incredibly creative spirits. And... Um, we'd done a big project on the Magna songs uh, to do the Magna Carta um, and it seemed that the logical step from that which was very much their own voice dealing with issues of the time of their lives of the Magna Carta that they needed 
it seemed that the next stage of their relationship to the building was to be part of a ritual that happened every day. Um, and then the more I started thinking about Evensong, the more it felt like it was something so other for them. Um, but I just kind of quite casually really said to the, to the dean, I said, oh, you, you won't mind if, if we change the words. Oh, no, no, no. And um, it transpired that this was probably the first time in the history of the church that we were allowed to change the words. Um, but what's beautiful about it is that the structure of the whole thing is exactly the same as every day. And the, the words that the priests sing are exactly the same that they'll always sing. But the responses to their words um, and the interpretation of the texts of um, the, the liturgy, the, the, the Magnificat and the Nunc Dimittis and all these strange words that um, describe these very dramatic songs that are actually about stories. Um, this is what we wanted to express. So every word is original to the participants and that's critical for their involvement. So there's always something that they've created. And once they created the words, they've then created their own melody. And it's that distinctive voice from them that just pervades everything in, 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 the, um, in the final event. And there was this enormous sense from everybody that said, well, of course they're there. Of course they're doing that. That's what the building's for. So Howard is the alpha banana, as it were. Who else is involved in delivering the project? On the rehearsal day that I attended, Howard was there at the keyboard throwing down harmonies and picking up on leading the session, really. But he's flanked at all times by this wonderful team. Elsa and Chris are the two La Folia music apprentices at the moment, learning how to lead these kind of sessions. And they're playing their saxophone and clarinet throughout oh, supporting the kids. Um, so, yeah, we've been um, just kind of jamming along, really, with the music as, as they come up with tunes, um, just kind of grooving in the background, kind of um, getting into the whole proper sort of feel of the... I found this role on just the um, Arts England Arts and Council website, saw that it was an apprenticeship for music leader workshop and running music workshops is something I've kind of always been interested in. I did a little bit of it at uni, but then I lived out of the country for a little bit. So then I sort of dropped off the radar. So this was an amazing way to get back into that world and sort of pick up on the skills that I was working on. Howard is a, just a tour de force. He he really knows how to um, elicit responses from the from all the young people, and um, so yeah, it's really those nuances of things because it's easy enough to do a course in this sort of thing and be told, oh, this is how you can warm up a classroom. This is how you can do all this. But then Howard has totally his own method of working that seems to just really elicit responses from yeah from all the people involved and yeah that I think that's the main thing that I'm certainly from each of the individual sessions just sort of watching Howard how he does it is um yeah pretty pretty inspiring really great as well as the two music apprentices am I right in thinking there were two more experienced professionals in the room as well absolutely Charlotte Shaw superstar soprano soloist 
was there and I asked her what she'd been up to just before she arrived today. I've actually just flown back from Switzerland wow. where I was doing uh, Handel Susanna and in a couple of weeks time I'll be off in France and yeah then ENO and all different places but I have to say uh, and I'm not just saying this for the podcast's sake this kind of work is my favourite thing and it's really what singing is to me and I wish I could just fill my whole career with it but I think it's important to have the the performing on, on the side as well. So. As well as Charlotte, there's also friend of the pod, Steve Abbott. Oh, Steve. Great man, great haircut, uh, who was acting as the conduit between the cathedral choir, where he's a lay clerk, and the sessions with Exeter House and Wiltshire College, just building that familiarity and making everyone feel at home. Well, my role really is to um, to move in amongst the singers, whether they're the singers from Exeter House College or the Vocational Centre, or whether they're the choristers, um, and just to try and facilitate things. I know it's a ghastly, trendy word, that, but just to encourage the choristers to come out of their comfort zone and um, actually have some interplay with the other children or moving amongst the children and where they might be extremely diffident just encourage them perhaps by humming the tune behind them and then we'll find that the tune comes then from them so what's the role of the cathedral choir in all of this well, the adult professional singers receive a printed-up version of the Exeter House compositions that Howard's put together, mm. and the children, the boys and girls of Salisbury Cathedral Choir, take part in some of the workshops, singing and learning alongside the other pupils. Everyone I spoke to, including David Halls, Director of Music at Salisbury Cathedral, agreed that the challenges and rewards of a project like this are shared by everybody involved. You're quite right, we spend all our lives trying to sing stuff which has been written over six or seven hundred years, but now we're, we're singing music which has a sort of freedom to it, and some of the choristers adapt to it incredibly well, and others find it hard, and I kind of sympathise with both. I think the Cathedral School has been fantastic with us over the years, um, and it's such a level playing field that everyone just gets, gets stuck in amongst each other, and it's absolutely beautiful. I think it's of equal amazement to to the students of the of Exeter House School and the, the, the college here to be participating with the Cathedral Choir. And it's also incredible for the Cathedral Choir to realise that not everybody sings by standing in a line neatly and ending everything exactly in the same place. And actually appreciating the beauty of something that comes from a different, different place. Of course, it's very noticeable that when we did it three years ago, the choristers were initially quite inhibited about doing it because the very nature of the way they work is to perfection. 
so and that is their role as professional musicians that is what it has to be but to be let free with other musicians who have none of that training they just have their innate response to what they hear and what Howard encourages them to do was a really freeing experience for the choristers and I learned at that time as well that you can bond as much playing footy in the break as you can singing together. This time they are more familiar because quite a lot of them have siblings who did it last time so they know about it. There's also a chorister whose sister is at Exeter House and this is an opportunity that they can actually sing in a totally equal way in an iconic building in a beautiful service and, and that is just huge. Now, Sam, you dropped in the name Mark Padmore at the beginning to whet the appetite, as it were. What exactly was his part in all of this? Sue, Lafolier's general manager, who we just heard from, explained how Mark first got involved a number of years ago and how his continuing involvement has been really hands-on. Mark Padmore first came to work with us on... Uh, a Magna Carta project that the cathedral asked us to do. So we made what was a promenade performance, which we called Magna Songs. <clears throat> and he became involved because we had two missions in that project. One was to create a piece for the cathedral with children with special needs, which we did with six special needs schools throughout. The other was to give real value to what these children produced as musicians. So we created the thing, and from it, Howard made what was virtually a song cycle of their songs, which we then did as a chamber concert for adults with Mark singing the songs. And he therefore came to some rehearsals and then was part of the performance. Um, the rehearsals were really interesting because the young people had no concept that the man in the room with them was one of the leading singers in the whole of the world. And therefore, when they felt like it, they were critical and pointed out if he made what in their terms was an error, uh, and it was a stimulating occasion. Uh, and then it, it followed by the, in the cathedral promenade, um, the piece from Evening Songs that comes in the middle of the Magnificat, which is a song called Cold and Miserable, sung by a young man called Thomas, um, Mark and Thomas sang that together in the Magnus Songs project. They walked together up the whole of the nave of the cathedral singing it into the pulpit and stood in the pulpit and sang it together. 
was a defining moment for this young man, Thomas. That what he had made was treated with that respect and value. So I'm working for Le Folier, um, being appointed to help do evening songs this year. For us to put on this event, there's a lot of funding to go into it. And it's been quite a few years, like I think it was la over last year or year before we were looking for the funding so we can get it all up together. And then I had an email from Sue saying, Hey Thomas, do you want to join us? Do you want to be? Do you want to have a meeting and see what we can do? I was like, yeah, why not? Well, the songs have been stuck in my head for for those three years, and to be able to sing them again with the courses and Butch College and Exeter House all together this time, it's just amazing. Well, we immediately asked him if he would like to become a patron with special interest, and we have a a. a, a a pot called the Singing Trust, in which if we want to um, have income, which is for this purpose only, um, we put it into the Singing Trust pot. And um, Mark is the patron of that. And in that role, on July the 7th, he's actually giving a recital in a country house near here which is entirely in aid of the, that pot so in that sense yes his name on anything shows it's a mark of quality I suppose um, but his interest is also an active one so he will be singing in the evening songs he will be attending two rehearsals with the lay clerks in the cathedral so that they can work together on it um, and he he's just a lovely support it sounds to me like a huge amount of resources have gone into this project uh, yes i think that whether it's money talent or skills given in kind a lot has gone in and i spoke to howard about why a project like this needs that amount of time and space, effort and kindness to build trust. It's all about trust, isn't it, really? I mean, that, that trust that someone will respond to your idea, that trust that you're giving them, um, that trust that whatever they do, you'll be able to pick up the, the musical pieces. There's, you know, you, your role in that room as composer is really as trusted figure, isn't it, I suppose? Yes, yeah, and I think that's the same in all spheres of music. It's just the value system of how you get to where you want to get to changes. And obviously in the professional world, you have to get to that point incredibly fast in any profession. Otherwise, you're not going to get the gig um, or people aren't going to want to play music with you. But um, with these projects, the trust does build over time if the projects are structured properly. So we have this fantastic tradition in, in La Folia of only doing projects when we really have enough financial support and um, relationship with the, with the schools to, um, 
to make something that's going to make everybody feel comfortable. I think it's a mistake to um, dumb anything down or to put them in a situation where they're feeling too nervous to be, be part of it. So it's a wonderful rehearsal process from about 15 days of, of work with the different groups um, separately and together. When uh, a girl who is so musical and loves music but has no speech or very little speech um, walked into a room one day where there was a lot of music going on and the impact on it was her so great that she did speak and she said, oh my God. So Howard immediately turned that into the first words of what became the Nunc Dimittis in our evening songs project. She's going to show us how she wants it to sound, okay? So everybody listen, just minute 19, so three years ago, as a 16-year-old, he gave perhaps the standout performance of Even Song. He has an absolute belter of a song, and he simply belted it. Caution was thrown to the wind, and it was fantastic. Steve already known me, because I know Steve, because <laughs> i just seen him before. <laughs> you didn't polish his head, though, did no! you? No! No, I didn't polish his head! <laughs> no, I didn't. I swear I didn't. really for the unexpected um, and almost every time we perform this it's going to be different and it'll, there will be elements when we get to the final evening songs that will be different to what has ever happened maybe in any rehearsal but we will all go with it and it'll be part of the creative process. 
And, you know, there's nothing quite like it when you just see the reaction, even if they're not vocal about it, you can kind of see it in the way they move and how, how they do things. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's interesting because Howard was raised with this incredibly straight musical training, I suppose. He was a chorister at Salisbury and then an organ scholar at New College Oxford, then a professional keyboard player, a harpsichordist and all that. Yeah, I, I completely with you. And it's sort of baffling how you move from that to this um, freewheeling process. And I asked him about it and who helped him unlock that part of himself. So, um, for me, it was about meeting different styles of music and different groups and different individuals. Um, and, um, yeah, I had a very um, strict classical training. Um, and I still use that. I still play um, with really incredible orchestras and groups playing Bach or the fanciest music which only one can only do with that training. But I think what, what happened to me was partly through these projects where you find that you can't just go into a room and play a concert like you might do in the Wigmore Hall or something because the, there needs to be some more experience of it. And then I think that connects, um, has connected me with the, with the process that the composers themselves went through, which is how do you have an idea and how do you develop that idea? Um, but in these projects, you're doing it in the room at the time with groups of people. And then, um, like with Bach and Beethoven and Mozart, they were the greatest improvisers in history. People talk about them in the same way that they talk about Miles Davis or Chick Corea or John Sermon or you know, one of these uh, incredible improvisers. Um, and John, for instance, with John Sermon, we've, we've done projects with him where he's come into Exeter House School, absolutely world legends. That's why he just plays the right note at the right time to fit with the voice that's come up, and that's what he would do anywhere. And that's that's the job of music is having your ears open. So I think for as long as um, musicians are willing to realise they've just got to have more to give in this sort of work than they would in in the sort of um, situation where they do what they've always done. Um, and I think for me, I've just been very lucky through the, the different styles of work and through conducting, through my own composition, through playing different styles of music as a keyboard player. Um, it, it's th that, that's my own culture, I suppose, if, if you like. I came away from this rehearsal day really overwhelmed by what I had seen and just the sensation that this kind of work is really, really important. But to actually articulate why that is on maybe an Arts Council funding form, for example, is very hard. And that's why I wanted to take the listeners into the room with us so that at least you get a feel for the power that this kind of work can have in lifting people's spirits and transforming their lives. It's actually quite rare, I would say, to see three institutions come together in this way and to get inside that rehearsal room is even rarer. The fact that this huge, beautiful building was full on the evening of the service shows that there is an audience for these kind of projects. And if anything, it should be acting 
as a model to all of those professional orchestras, opera houses and choirs worried about staying relevant as the, the zeitgeist move forward. And staying relevant to people's lives isn't just a commercial interest. Actually, this is where music does its most important work within the community and where the community is part of the creative process. Exactly. And putting what people have made on the biggest stages shows them that we value them. Mm. The originality of what the pupils of Exeter House and Wiltshire College create deserves to be on that stage on its own merit, I think. But... uh, because they have a certain vulnerability to them, they may not necessarily be included through society's normal channels. And if this project teaches us anything, it's that those channels are flawed if they are excluding people like this, because the tradition, the cathedral and the cathedral choir are so much richer for having that diversity of experience. It's almost an unassailable argument in and of itself for including more voices in our creative lives. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about King's College Cambridge removing a child with autism from an Eden song because he was being noisy, and they responded to criticism with a conciliatory letter talking about undefined moves towards inclusivity. Um, so Salisbury Cathedral, in a way, has given them a model for a concrete way of synthesising traditions of ancient religious institutions with the needs of the modern community it serves. If institutions like King's College Cambridge aren't adopting this as a model, I don't know what they're doing. It's just that there is permission, that, for instance, if you're deaf, sometimes it's harder to pitch the exact note that the person next to you is. Or if you find speech really difficult, you have to slow the words down. So we do sing the psalm with a real clarity so that everybody can sing and actually articulate everything. So we're making, we're making um, allowances for everybody to participate on an equal level. And I think sometimes... Music is it's often so, so difficult to do. I mean, it's such a challenge that that can exclude. And obviously, that's that's the thing about Evensong that it, it, it is quite a it's a wonderful, precious experience to be part of. But it's it, it's not immediately there for everybody to take part. And I think it challenges that the whole project, but actually, with the right intention and the right structure of the project. you want to support the fantastic work of La Folie, there is a link in the description of this episode. A huge thank you to Howard and Sue and the whole La Folie team for letting us come and follow them around for a day. And we'll be back in September with a brand new series of Classical Pod goodness. So like and subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Because I like music, I've done it before. I've done music last Wednesday, I've done it because I had my... Call it. I done. I done the guitar, and I've done. And I've seen how loads of time when he does the piano. I don't. I don't. And I've been through loads of times with Great. my friends, yeah. and I like it down there. It makes me happy. Have you nerves? <laughs>